friends, and welcome back to the luxury of self-care. Whether you're on the go or lounging with a glass of wine, this is the perfect podcast to dive into. From relatable topics to all people and things who inspire and empower me on a daily basis, I'm Anastasia, your host. And today we're going to be breaking down the phrase, be not afraid. When I was looking into figuring out what I wanted to entitle today's podcast, I reached out to our guests that we're having on and I said, we've covered so much ground. You were so open. You were so honest. We covered from sexuality to current events to childhood to upbringing between children and their parents. My guest today is truly an open book. And I said, I think I want to call it Be Not Afraid. And I thought more and more about this phrase. I remember hearing it as a young child in Catholic Mass. There's a song entitled Be Not Afraid. And the lyrics state, Be not afraid. I go before you always. Come follow me and I will give you rest. And... For those listeners, I haven't really touched base on my religious beliefs. I was born and raised Catholic. I, in that sense, I'm a very liberal Catholic, as I used to always say. But hearing those words again now at this time and looking into what's currently going on, we have a bunch of leaders out there right now who are paving a way to create a new path for change, for us to be able to follow, and for, in my opinion, racism to be at rest, and for it to be a thing of the past. And there's been a lot of interesting conversations that I've been having these past few weeks. I also appreciate all the listeners' patience. I needed to take a week off so I could collect collectively get some more data for myself for the podcast and to truly bring on people who inspire and empower me on a daily basis. But at this point, I wanted to elevate more of my friends of color because I thought that their voices needed to be heard in this time. And what what a better time, given everything that's going on, to elevate them and be able to hear their stories and to be able to understand some stuff a little bit more. Because I know some of my friends have not known how to begin these conversations. So maybe by listening to the podcast, you'll get a little bit more insight. And I hope you will gain the courage to reach out to your friends of color and ask them how they're feeling. As simple as that. I think it's that simple. How are you? I know there's a lot going on. I just wanted to reach out to you because I love you. Any of those things work. I haven't been sleeping all that well the last two weeks to let you in on what's going on with me. And it's been a struggle. I've had some conversations that are haven't been easy. And I've learned a lot in those conversations and I'm developing my own thought process. And I think we all need to develop our own thought process. I think bandwagoning in a situation like this is not the answer. I think we need to really, truly do our homework, do our research, 
know who your chief of police is in your area, know who your judge is in your area, make sure you get out there and you're registered to vote this year for all different reasons, just because we have the right to do them. So I've been waking up in the morning a lot and scrolling through my Instagram and current news, and it's really been a downer for me. I The last week I've struggled with all the things that usually motivate me and make me happy, my meditation work, my yoga work, my my walks, and I found myself really just doing the work of taking care of my dog, which unfortunately she's on antibiotics right now as a side note. Uh, I've been dealing with her. She's been sick and obviously as a worried mom in a sense, dog mom in a sense, I've been concerned on that level, but that's just what's happening in my own home. And I've been finding as I've been scrolling through all these things that my motivation level just starts off angry and aggressive in the morning. And my boyfriend and I have been fighting more because of it and all of the above. So I want to remind everyone to go back to that self-care and self-love because you are a no service to others if you don't take care of yourself first. So I really encourage you to find that routine. Take five minutes in the morning to do some stretches. I know for me, I kind of roll out of bed, go take my dog on a walk right away, and then I come inside and I have a coffee. And if I don't have the coffee right away, I usually go through a little series of cat, cow, child pose, and down dog. And that's just what works for me. But I think stretching your body gets you revved up for the day. My dog does it every morning. Right before she knows we're going to go on a walk, she goes into that full down dog mode and just stretches herself out. You know, gets get get yourself ready for your day. But in the process of all that, I've been trying to figure out how can I do better? How can I personally do better? So I'm so excited to share with you all of these voices, elevating them here on this minor platform that I've only just begun and listening to them and asking them questions and hearing their stories have been motivation in themselves that all of us doing the inner work is the true answer. So without further ado, because we had a long conversation, I want to dive into today's guest. His name is Michael Ross. We met in a very interesting situation. He lives in New York now. We met when he first moved here. And I can't wait for you to hear all the things that he has to share. So without further ado, Michael Ross, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. Hi. (laughs) (laughs) For those of you who like a good uh, technical story, we had a lot of fun the last 20 minutes trying to figure out how this works during pandemic and with recording devices. Oh my gosh, you use fun loosely in that. (laughs) (laughs) currently i am looking at michael's beautiful face tell me about your situation that you're working with right now technically what we have come up with is i have one of those wired um iphone (laughs) headphones hooked into an ipad and then i have an airpod in my other ear to (laughs) record the audio of my voice (laughs) oh my gosh i'm loving it it's such a good visual with your beautiful mural behind you did you paint that this? Where'd you get that? 
Yeah. Well, I, I got this at a, um, what do they call it? It was like a consignment shop in North Carolina. Yeah, my brother's in the Marines, so we go down to Jacksonville quite often to visit him. And my mom is completely obsessed with consignment shops and Goodwill shopping. And this just so happened to be at one. Oh my gosh, I love that. My boyfriend's going into the Navy Reserves. Oh, okay, awesome. Not not that we can speak on behalf of them too much because of, you know, they're they're owned by the government, but but yeah. just say that like <laughs> but just say that yeah, we have that connection. He, um mm-hmm. it's been an interesting process. He's he's been preparing, getting ready for for his basic training. Oh, awesome. Well, yeah. fun fact, not a lot of people know this about me. I was in the Navy once upon a time. No way. Yes, ma'am. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So my dad was in the Navy, so we moved around a little bit growing up. So I was born in New Orleans, um, and then I lived the first nine years of my life in Virginia Beach. And then when he retired from the Navy, we moved to a small town in Kentucky called Danville, which is where my entire family's from. So it was kind of just like going back home, seeing all my cousins and family and... um, that was an interesting bring up or traveling. Uh, yeah. In a way. Um, yeah. Which kind of like leads to me now being a minimalist. So like I've moved so much stuff in my life. Like I'm always thinking like, do I want to move this one day? Uh, but yeah. enough, but enough about that. Um, Kentucky was Kentucky's beautiful. Um, just to put that out there. I loved growing up in Kentucky. Um, very much in the Bible Belt. Um, so that's mm-hmm. just interesting in its own way, growing up black and gay in central Kentucky. Yeah. You had moved how many times then, just out of curiosity? Like four, like four. Like I mean, it wouldn't say a lot, but I mean, when you're young, any move is kind of big. So I'd say we moved about four times growing up. What do you think the hardest part of all those moves were? Just fr- friendships maybe, or was it the schools? I'd say the friendships are definitely the hardest part of it. You grow so um, close to these, to your peers. And I mean, you're hanging out at their house all the time. And then one day, you know, your parents are like, well, we're going to move. We're probably going to, you're probably never going to see these people again. Yeah. Uh, so, so say your goodbyes. Right. Um, yeah, that's definitely the hardest part of it. And how old were you when you got a cell phone? I'm, I, I'm a little older than you because I was, Ooh. I think I was in ninth grade. So I'm curious. I was also in ninth grade. So I was like 14, 15 when I got a, a phone and I had one of those little razor phones. So, you know, I was living for the drama of just like hanging up on people. <laughs> <laughs> There's so much power of just like closing the phone and actually hanging up on people. Oh, yeah. <laughs> there, it was like when you were angry. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> that was me closing a phone with my hands. <laughs> I think that our youth these days, they don't know that. Um our parents understand that, but moving away and you're never probably going to see someone again. Mm-hmm. What did what would you have done? Emailed them? <laughs> you know, <laughs> honestly, maybe yeah. maybe AIM. Maybe that was a thing once upon a time. AOL. Or in my case, you just remember these people's names and you find them on Facebook years later. Oh, true, true. Facebook is an interesting tool for that. That's the one reason why I probably have never deleted it. Oh yeah, it's great. I've reconnected with so many people that I grew up with that I thought I'd never see again. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's great. Mm-hmm. I didn't, that's like such a cool tool. Cool tool. To a use cool to a CT. <laughs> <laughs> Abbreviations are key. Yeah. <laughs> so then you, you went down that journey. So you graduated then in Danville. Yes. I went to Danville high school. I graduated in 2011. Instantly after that, I went to the university of Kentucky where I studied 
music theater. If anybody who's not a musical theater person that does tune into this podcast, a majority of schools that are state schools are very hard to get into in the first place. But to get into their musical theater program are very difficult. So did you audition for a lot of schools? Was it, was it, you know, University of Kentucky or die or how, how was that process? So I actually only auditioned for two schools. I auditioned for Northern Kentucky university and then the university of Kentucky. I got into both, but I chose to go to UK because it was closer to home ish. Lexington, Kentucky is only like a 40 minute drive from my hometown. Mm -hmm. And you wanted to be close to home just to be close to family or? Yeah, I wanted to be closer to family just in case like anything happens, an emergency, which I guess my mom kind of more so talked me into that. (laughs) (laughs) Moms do that. We love, we we have compassion, Mm -hmm. we share. Yeah, looking back at it. But I do, my my whole family has been like a University of Kentucky fan. I mean, it's been like uh, bleed blue or die like from my dad, my grandfather, oh. aunts and uncles, cousins. So it was just kind of like, I don't know, a weird way for me to like connect to my family as well. Like I'm going to this school that I grew up watching my dad play basketball games. No, watching my dad watch basketball games. Like, yeah. It's funny, <laughs> the whole journey of college. And I had spoke about that in my very first podcast, how my, my journey was non It's always non-traditional mm-hmm. to do musical theater. It's become more traditional in our, um, I don't know what generation you are. I'm, I'm a, a millennial. Okay. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Cause now we have generation like X, Y, Z and whatever. And the rest because, of the alphabet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because I am not part of that. I just want to make that very clear. Uh, but yeah, so as a millennial, you know, it's become a little bit more common. We've had the opportunity maybe more to say to our parents, hey, I'm not going to go for that 401k job. I want to do theater mm-hmm. and then being more open and OK with it. If none of you have heard Michael before, he has a beautiful voice. Thank I didn't you. know this when I first met him because we met in a very weird circumstance, but he has, which we'll get to. <laughs> when you went to school for musical theater, what was your what was your background? Were you a singer first, a triple threat? Had you ever danced Ooh. before? So I was a singer first. My mom um, has always been like a member of the church choir and she'd take oh, me yeah. to practices with her. And I don't know, just like growing up in gospel music, there's already kind of theater in that, you right. know? Um, it's so a show. It's so beautiful. It is a show. I it really live is. for it. Um, and from there, when I was in middle school, they, that's like when I first realized theater was actually a thing because they had a theater club and a lot of my oh. friends were joining it. Um, I was in concert band and a lot of there's a lot of crossover between like kids who are in band and kids who do like music theater. Okay. And um, a lot of my friends were joining this club. And so I guess by fortunate peer pressure, um, I joined the club as well. And that kind of got the acting into me. So I was a singer, an actor, but I had never really danced until I went to college. So I can't really... A lot of people haven't, you know? Mm -hmm. I have some of my most talented male dance friends now in their 30s are incredible, but they only put on their dance shoes for the first time at 18. Yeah. Lucky for men other than women... um, not to say that if you're a woman and you want to become a dancer and you're 18, that it's never going to happen. That's not what I'm saying. But, but. there is a fluidity 
and this this thing that your your body as a woman learns because our bodies change so often. Mm-hmm. Heck, they change on a monthly basis. Yeah. So it's been interesting. And some of the people that I will see that in my adult life, in my adult career as an actor, I think I'm like, wow, you're incredible. When did you start? And a majority of them will say 15, 16, in college. And I'm blown away because, you know, like I would never have known. It's wild. It's wild. I don't know. I feel like some people just have like the gift for dance or like the gift for movement, should I say? I love that. Yeah, the gift for movement. So you were saying that being a part of the choir is like an acting role within itself. Yeah, it is. Definitely. I mean, not saying that worshiping God is like acting in a sense, but I mean, you are portraying joy. You are portraying, you know, triumph in a sense, like even on your darkest day, you're acting happy, you know, so that really put a lot in me. Yeah. And you had mentioned in the beginning, um, that you, you are gay. Mm -hmm. How did that situation go for you? If you don't mind me asking, what was the most difficult part about coming out or when did you come out? Okay. So I came out when I was 16. Um, my, my mom was totally fine with it. She really didn't think twice about it. Kind of gave me the whole, like, I knew, like, I was just waiting for you to tell me. Um, but my dad, however, uh, stopped talking to me for about a year and a half or so. That must've been really hard. So, uh, yeah, it was hard. I mean, I still find myself recovering from that in a sense. I mean, it is traumatizing when you think about it. Growing up in church, it was really confusing because I grew up in a very strict, kind of more conservative than usual uh, Baptist church in Kentucky. Having to hear the rhetoric of um, homosexuality is a sin. Um, You're like sick in the head. I mean, imagine like a 13-year-old who is just... Trying to figure themselves out. Trying to figure themselves out, you know. And, you know, on top of that, I was already being bullied at school. Kids were making fun of me for being gay before I actually knew I was gay. So I was living with that. And then going to church on Sundays and hearing that. So it was kind of a whirlwind of it all. Um, I had a falling out with not that church, but um, just church in general. Um, I kind of like lost touch with like my own spirituality because of the confusion, the anger of it all. It's it's an experience. <laughs> yeah. Where do you where yeah. do you sit with it now? I am not as um, religious as I used to be. I don't I don't favor going to church um but i am very spiritual i do believe in god um um i do believe in god's love for everyone which has taken me a while to like come back to terms with um but that's about where i sit right now yeah and that that is so hard i mean i think one of the most beautiful things i loved about new york was um that we they have a lot of lgbtq open Catholic masses, you know, Mm -hmm. where it's, where it's, um, specifically designed for you to feel unjudged. Yes. It's specifically designed for younger mind thinkers. It's specifically designed for all those things that we were told, which gets me to an even bigger comment, but like that we were told or we're, you know, are drilled in our minds without us even knowing And it's so unfortunate because I have so many gay friends who have lost lost touch with God in that way. And I think that that is, I just think that that's so wrong personally, but I can only speak on behalf of myself. Mm -hmm. 
and it's no, sad. I, I totally get that. And it's just living in New York just these few months has been an eye-opening experience for me because growing up in Kentucky, um, there's having an openly like gay church or a gay accepting church is unheard of. Yeah. Completely unheard of. Oh, so, it's so yeah. Experience, uh, wow, words. <laughs> <laughs> Experiencing that and kind of getting to be a part of that is, I mean, it's mind blowing. It's it's mm-hmm. like I feel like I'm playing catch up in a sense because I didn't know that these things actually like it's just something that I'd see on TV, but it's yeah. not like something that actually exists. Oh, I love the beauty of that. I don't even know where we kind of went off, but but coming back to continuing through with your storyline because it's I'm learning new things as I speak to you today. <laughs> um, so you were at college. Did you graduate with a, a buffa? I always called it. Did you graduate with a bachelor? A buffa, of fine arts? Yes, I did. And that makes you even more elite within the musical theater major community for those of our listeners who don't know much about musical theater. Mm-hmm. It's just like just a. A teensy step. <laughs> Just a teensy touch. A teensy step. Very small one. <laughs> yeah, but but it's also an honor to be, to get, you know, to, you have to audition for it. Yes. Um, in almost every program, you have to audition for it, and you have to be accepted to do it. So within this huge audition that you go to in the first place of all these kids that want to go to your college, then you get a class of, how many did you have, 30? Um, about 35. Okay. Mm-hmm. Did all of you graduate? This is always a good question. No, 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 <laughs> no. So we started, um, so the 35 graduated, but I think we started my, when we came in as freshmen, there were maybe like 40 of us. So okay. we lost about five of them. Okay. Yeah. I remember like the first day was look to your left, look to your right. Only one of you will graduate. No. And you were like, oh, oh my what? gosh, the speech. Why? Yes. <laughs> why can't we all be friends? <laughs> Why, 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 we have to pin yeah, each other? why, why? do they have to pin us against <laughs> each other at such an early stage? You know, and not, not to say that every school says it in that regard, but it was just this moment that's always resonated in my brain of, of this competitive energy that goes into theater sometimes. And I'm like, can't can we all just like do our best? And if we fit the mold of what mm-hmm. the show is, we get cast. Cool. <laughs> like, can it be a yeah. little less aggressive? Please. <laughs> like it's theater. Come We're on. supposed to be making <laughs> people happy. <laughs> enjoy or teaching them something, teaching them something too, right? Because there's a lot of stories with beautiful messages that I leave the theater in fucking tears. Excuse me for swearing. I don't swear a lot on this. Just like you were saying, like leaving um, the theater in tears. Did you ever get to see Hadestown when it was? One of my good friends, Anthony Chapman, I don't know if he'll ever listen to this podcast, but I'm calling you out, (laughs) is in that show. We did Hairspray together a long time ago and he is a star. He is okay. a beautiful star, and he always has been, and he he's, like, cutthroat, always going for it. Anyway, he's in it. I ran into him randomly on the subway, another beauty of New York, literally ran into him on the subway with no plans to run into each other. Same train, just he randomly got on, and I looked up, and I was like, what? And he's in it, because I haven't seen him since, uh, and, yeah, he's loving it. He's like, I just can't believe how wonderful this show is, but I have not seen it. I have been obsessed with the soundtrack, though. So growing up in Kentucky, everything that I've ever seen Broadway related has been like bootlegged of some sort. So I'm either seeing it on like YouTube or like someone has recorded it and like emailed it to me. So Hades Town was actually the first live Broadway show that I saw. Wow. 
and I got to see it with the full cast. So no, like understudy was like standing in for someone. And I have never in my life cried for like 45 minutes straight until I saw this show. Oh, beauty. It's, it's beautiful, right? I mean, Mm -hmm. beautiful in the storyline, beautiful in the talent. And, and the music. And the and music. Just, it's just ugh. so well done. And I remember I remember seeing Wait For Me um, at the Tony performance. Oh, it blew my mind. I was like, this is so different. This is I was still living in Kentucky at the time. Oh, really? When the Tonys were. Mm-hmm. So now, so, okay, so for fast forwarding, you left college. You joined the Navy? Joined the Navy. Not like some extravagant story. I was only in the Navy for two years. Um, That's still long, though. Hold on, though, because seriously, so you were, I mean, this is a big journey, and I I could learn a lot from you. My boyfriend, I'll have him listen to this as well, but what was basic training like? What was, now let's, now let's layer this in again. How, How, were you treated any differently, you know, being, being gay in, um, in the Navy or, um, so going through basic training, no, I wasn't because we're all just recruits in that sense. Like everyone is pretty much no one. Um, so we're all just kind of just like grudging through it. I guess I'll talk about boot camp first and then I'll go into when I was, cause I went active duty. I wasn't in the reserves. Um, so I guess if you're, if your man is listening to this, um, Boot camp is just a mental game, really. So a lot of people, they're going to yell. They're going to put you into like weird situations. They're going to make you feel uncomfortable. But that's kind of just the whole point of the game is to like prepare you for any kind of stressful situation. Um, So the yelling is kind of like forcing you to deal with handling yourself under pressure. Um, They're going to teach you a lot of like paying attention to detail. You're going to have to make your bed a certain way. Your uniform is going to have to look a certain way. You're going to have to memorize a lot. Um, and so for me, boot camp wasn't hard um, because I don't know about the rest of these guys that were in my division. Um, quick side note, they will either have like an all female division um, an integrated division, which is like male and female or an all male division. And I was in an all male division. Um, but for the rest of these guys, I had already went through years of musical theater training. So like someone yelling at me, making me do like push ups and all this stuff is like nothing. I was going to say, I <laughs> bet you theater really prepared you for that. Cause we're, we're put in these awkward situations and we've been literally broken down over the process of our, mm-hmm. you know, broken down and rebuilt back up same person, but with all this access to and knowledge to where we can access things in order to grab at them when we need to do a specific performance. Oh, definitely. Yeah. And then in terms of like focus and like where you need to like put your mind into, or like, if you need to like put yourself in a certain like emotion or if you need to like block off a certain emotion. So yeah. So theater definitely prepared me for that. Interesting. Um, Yeah. Which is very interesting. You know, I've never like really spoken this out loud, Um, but (laughs) that's good. You heard it here first. Mm -hmm. You heard it here first guys. (laughs) I was already in, I guess pretty decent shape. I was um, still physically active um, in college. So then when I went to the Navy um, and I was in boot camp and you have to run like a mile at a certain time and do push-ups and do uh, sit-ups, 
um, that really wasn't all too difficult for me either. So boot camp for me was just on just kind of focusing and like learning all of this stuff. Um, taking it all in, taking it all in really like, yeah, yeah I'm, everything else is just, you know, water off a duck's back. You know, they're not yelling at me because they hate me. <laughs> I was in IT on a submarine. That was my rate. Um, so my A school, I was instantly shipped over to A school in Connecticut. So I lived in New London, Connecticut for a year. And that's where like things started to change because now everyone's kind of Everyone is active duty. Everyone, their personalities are back because you have free will again. You're making your own money. Um, and that's kind of where I saw the difference of people responding to me a little differently. Not like racially, but definitely in terms of like my sexuality. Because um, I joined very shortly after Don't Ask, Don't Tell was repealed. So there were there were more people that were openly gay in, uh, in the service and just like the division that I was in, um, in boot camp, the base that I was studying on was an all-male base. So, so you, so you think like gay boys surrounded by like all men, like this is heaven on earth. This is about to be a kiki. We're going to have a good time. <laughs> <laughs> it was actually the complete opposite. It was, it was a train wreck. I did not, I did not have a good time. Um, oh gosh. um how long were you there? I was there for a year. Um, Woof. If you say like it was only two years of your life, but two years, how old are you? I am 27. Yeah. That's a long time. Mm -hmm. That's still a, you know, that's still a percentage of, it's not like you're in your sixties and you're like, Oh, that was only two years of my life. Oh yeah. You know, it's it's still like, you know, that's that's a good portion of my life at this point. Yeah. Adult life too. When we think we finally have figured ourselves out, Mm -hmm. right? Like when we're in college, we all think like, Oh yeah, I'm out of my parents' house. I know who I am. I know who I am. No. No. Let me sit down, eighteen-year-old Michael, and be like, "Honey, slow down." Yeah, slow down. <laughs> and we're continuing to learn, right? We're continuing to grow. I'm doing so much self-growth right now with everything. Oh, that's me going too. On, like know? I'm just finding out so much of myself now, just through music, um, that I couldn't like put into words at a younger age. But like, I can, I can write a song about it. Yeah. So, like, let's get into that. So now you found yourself in in New York City. Yes. Still and, finding myself. Um. <laughs> Aren't we all? Seriously, though. Um, and that's good. I think that that's, it's good to always be trying to find yourself because it forces us to consistently check mm-hmm. ourselves and look inward and say, hey, where am I at? Oh, definitely. Or what can I do better? Or how can I grow more? So you find yourself in New York City. And, and, and where were you at with musical theater at this point? As artists, we all are brought up differently. Mm-hmm. So we go through a different mindset of like, what is the real job? Some people think it's catering and, and side hustles and bartending all night. Mm-hmm. And other people are like, nope, I got a 401k and then I go to auditions on the weekend. Oh, must be so nice. Everybody's got their own journey. <laughs> yeah. So my journey at this point, I've been doing um, theater professionally for a few years, like almost directly out of the Navy. Um, I went into professional theater. You know, I just kind of like found myself again. Which it sounds like you needed. I did. I did. You know, like joining the Navy was definitely something um, that I didn't do for myself, I guess. Um, did you do it for your dad, do you think? Yeah. Yeah. Looking back, yeah. you know, I did it because um, I I guess I wanted something more so to relate to him, something that he could like kind of feel pride in because I remember 
eight, being at 18 years old and telling him I wanted to major in theater and him sitting me down and be like, Michael, there is no career in theater. Like, I don't know why you think you're doing that. I'm like, but dad, you watch movies every day. You watch TV, you listen to music on the radio, but you're going to tell me there's no career in it. Um, isn't that so disheartening? It, we like our parents say that, and it's like I know you have my best interest at heart, but you're also telling me that you don't think that I can be one of those people. Yeah, when you say it like that. Mm-hmm. Not that my parents did that. I think I've had some really tough conversations as I've gotten older that they were like, "Look, you've done some cool stuff, but <laughs> it's always a but. It's always a but at the end." <laughs> and that's where the real work is, right? For everything in life, after the but, like. That's sometimes where the real work is. It's like we say these things mm-hmm. and then we use the word but like it's okay now for whatever we say after that. Yeah, but it's not. <laughs> but it's but it's <laughs> not. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, and I commend you for that. I think all kids, the most valuable thing that they can get from their parents. I'm going to get teary eyed when I say this because it is valuable is when your parents say I'm proud of you. That's, yes, that's something that, you know, I still strive for. Um, I mean, my mom tells me that she's proud of me all the time, but my dad is kind of more reserved. Well, that's, it is a feminine trait to be a little Mm -hmm. bit more compassionate. Yeah. And that feminine, I want to make this very clear, feminine and masculine have nothing to do with your sex. No, not at all. I want everyone to know that and resonate with their specific traits. And yes, most females that tend to be a little bit more feminine traits. So compassion is one of the feminine traits. Mm -hmm. Anybody who has a feminine trait tends to be a little bit more compassionate. So we would say those things like, I love you. I'm proud of you. Encouraging Mm -hmm. stuff. And it it just comes out naturally. It doesn't have any less value, but it has a lot of value when someone of masculine traits says, I'm proud of you. Oh, it's, I mean, it's groundbreaking to hear it. Yeah. So did that change your relationship with your dad at all? It was a step in the right direction. It wasn't necessarily like, oh, we're best friends now. Like we are, we're hanging out. We're going to go grab a beer. It's just more of like a, a relationship in a sense. It's more of like, I I feel like his son, aside from someone that he's just like taking care of and picks up from marching band practice yeah. all the time. Yeah. That's like, we have, just have to take that in too. You know, it's parenting um, what's right what's wrong you know I feel like we finally started showing too on tv that like no one's got it figured out and it's way more apparent you see it in like so many more films now with like moms even they're like I don't know what the fuck mm-hmm. I'm doing and that's yes. more the norm we actually see that more often we read it in in self-help books too like I don't know what I'm doing and and I love that we're able to admit that now as women could say I'm I don't know what to do as a mom or I'm failing as a mom and, and dads are different too, you know? So I'm glad that maybe you, you started on the journey on that path. Yeah. It's been a path. That's a, <laughs> that's, that's, that's a good way to put yeah. it. To, I don't want to say lighten the mood cause I love having feelings. I'm a very, I'm a cancer. I'm a Pisces. What's up? Oh yeah. No, we had this conversation yeah. when we met. We did. Yes. I remember. We did. Mm-hmm. So we are very emotional. Yes, um, water Pisces signs. Is, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I kid you not, a majority of my are Pisces or Cancers. Um, my boyfriend's a Scorpio. Uh, I want to be with a Scorpio so bad. I think all water signs want to be with a Scorpio. Like, side note, if you don't know anything about anything, I have this book. It's called Sextrology. And it's about yes. two, d- yeah, mm-hmm. a lot. There's like cards for sextrology. I'll put this all in the notes, but it's it's all about your your signs and how you connect together with different people. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Scorpios are 
good for Pisces and good for Cancers for sure. You know, the crazy thing is, is I used to really not be into the Zodiac, but someone said one thing to me that completely changed my whole viewpoint of it. What was that? You know, the moon has the power to affect the waves, right? So who's to say that like, if the moon isn't in a certain place or is in a certain place when you're born, it's not affecting, you know, the blood in your body because we are mostly water, just like the ocean. Yeah, I didn't even think about it like that, and I'm into it. Yeah. Yeah. So let's jump on this train. Michael, you find yourself in New York. I'm going to, I want to hear your side of this whole thing. (laughs) Um, Let's see. So I went to that interview maybe like a week after I had moved to New York. So I'd only been in New York for like six or seven days, and then... I stumbled into, like, I got an email talking about, like, hey, you know, we're this cool Mm -hmm. little networking firm. Yes. (laughs) And I was like, okay, yeah, I've never done networking before. Like, maybe I'll meet some people, get my name out there. Like, let's try something different. We're in New York. We're in the city. You have to remember, I come from a small town. So I see more people in a day in Mm -hmm. New York than I see in a month in Danville, Kentucky. So even just going to that job interview and seeing hundreds of people crammed into this little building I mean you you remember you like go in it was like this little glass door like situation and then there was this reception it was truly like a cattle call it wasn't even one business like four different businesses were having different interviews and we were all jammed into this non-existent waiting room hallway standing maybe there was one couch (laughs) oh there were I remember there were two couches and they were occupied. People were sitting on the edges. It was it was odd. Anyway. It was crazy. Yeah. I think I met you in the second interview. Because I remember going to the first interview. And they called me back. And she tried to, like, build up all this drama when she called me on the phone. And she was just like, um, and, you know, I hate, like, giving people this call. But I just want you to know that they want to talk to you again. So come back at this time. And I'm like, (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God, I couldn't even be more right. Like you've got it on the nail. Like keep, okay, keep going. Oh, okay. So we're in the second interview and we went for like breakfast with that one girl, didn't Mm -hmm, we? mm -hmm. And then we were like taking notes. We had coffee and everything. And she was like, talking at the speed of light because she was trying to see if we could like take notes really, really fast and yada, yada, yada. Yeah, it was a test. She told us that too. Yeah, she was like, this is the test to see how you take in information. And I mean, like, surprise, girl, I can write and not look at the paper. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't mean I'm actually, like, writing down the words that you say. But, in like, my special <laughs> skills. <laughs> didn't I? It, check my resume. <laughs> so we get done with that. Honestly, like, all of this is kind of a blur to me. Like, If I may. Yeah, go ahead. We came back then. So everything that Michael's saying definitely happened. You know, we we got this awkward email. We showed up to this no-joke cattle call of an of an interview for several different companies. They took forever to see us. We signed in. You're sitting there. You're waiting forever. Like, our time is invaluable on our end either. Told it was going to be, like, 10 minutes. I waited 45 minutes. I almost left. Oh, I, I waited, like, an hour, and I just, like... Yeah, that's that's so disrespectful mm-hmm. of time. If you ever do an interview on the other end, just remember that someone that wants your job, too, also their time might be valuable, and they're still working another job, yeah. and they take off a specific amount of time. Regardless, I almost left because I did have a job I was doing afterwards, and I was almost late for it. 
And then they only took two minutes of an interview with us. And it was so basic. I was like, heck, we could have been doing this on the phone. I know. Like, she brings you in and she's like, hi. So tell me about what she wrote here. Okay, great. Awesome. Very (laughs) surface level getting to know you, which is fine. Some interviews are like that. First round, especially. Second round. It just immediately was just like the musical theater thing that we were talking about. We were out to compete against one each other. They took us on this little coffee break. Yes, granted, they bought the coffee for a suite. We sat there. They challenged us with taking these notes. They told us very clearly that we were, you know, going to be in competition with each other. Yeah. In competition. Yeah. I sit there and... It was finally the first time that myself and Michael and the other gentleman that was with us got a chance to introduce ourselves and, like, kind of talk to each other after being drilled, you know, for an hour over at the coffee shop. So we were trying to exchange information. We had done what they had asked us already, and then we were again, like, our time wasn't valuable, sitting around. And instead of staring at the wall, I was always taught as a child to be friendly. Oh, same. (laughs) Yeah. And to... (laughs) And to um, introduce yourself and to smile at people on the street and say hi, which is also awkward, always always in New York, because not everybody wants to do that. And that's cool. And it's crazy because that's like what I'm used to in Kentucky. (laughs) Yeah, it's just very friendly. And that's just, I mean, that's your energy, too. So, you know, I think you even spoke up first, to be honest. And the minute I think so, that we, maybe, yeah. yeah, the minute that we start exchanging musical theater fun tips and trades that you had just moved here, all this stuff and just getting to know you. Our main supervisor walked out Storms and in the went, place. Yeah, <laughs> went, went to grab you to bring you into the interview room, you know, individually and said, I don't know why you guys are talking. You guys are within competition to each other. Like, think about that. And I was like, are you my mom? I'm pretty sure the both of us like chuckled at her. Like, yeah, probably. <laughs> They're like, this is ridiculous. And I just looked at you and I was like, okay, bye. bye. Yeah, it was so <laughs> strange. So anyway, that's the story. But um, and living in New York is hard. You make acquaintances mm-hmm. all the time. You have fun encounters. And then unfortunately, you know, we have our own lives and we have everything like that. And pandemic has been this, as I have said this in the past, I think pandemic has been a beautiful blank slate for Several things, not yes. everything, but several things. And, and one of those things is reconnecting with, with mm-hmm. people, finding time to do that, finding time for self-care. And now, you know, I, I found myself wanting to make this podcast, take each thing with a grain of salt, but how I found life to be luxurious, not because I had expensive, fancy things, but because I took the time to take care of myself and I'm continuing to do that. And I'm constantly, yeah, Yeah. and we all should be doing that, you know, and things are going to get a little sticky here. So I'm going to apologize for that in the first place, but there have been a series of events that have happened recently that have caused for more sticky, hard conversations Mm -hmm. with people, especially between different races. Yes. And... For those of you who don't know, Michael, you had mentioned this before too. Are you? What do you prefer personally? Do you prefer to be to be called as as African American, or do you prefer to be called black? 
Um, honestly, it, it doesn't really bother me to be called black or to be called African-American. And that's not for everyone, by the way. Michael is speaking on behalf of his own personal opinion. <laughs> that is very much not for everyone. Yeah. At least for me, my opinion is that they're both, they both work okay. for me. Um, it just depends on, I guess, the energy and with in which you say it. But right. that's just like any word, I guess. And, and for, for those listeners who don't know me personally, I am white. So this has, this is, this is hard for me to talk about because I've been doing so much learning and listening and taking an inward journey on myself these past few days. And, um, I had to take a moment to actually retake care of myself because I was so angry and so, um, fixated on everything that was going on. I wanted to elevate some voices around me of people of color who have, have inspired me in different ways or I have had joy like coming across their page and and also Michael's music is amazing but every time I'm scrolling through it's like you posted another beautiful song and um <laughs> you know and it, it came across my mind and I thought hey I've just recently started this platform why can't I showcase why can't I showcase some other voices right now that can tell us what they're personally going through because no one can speak on behalf of anyone but what they're personally going through mm-hmm. so I'm just curious of what your original reaction of of the series of events that started with with George Floyd when you first mm-hmm. saw that um how how did how did you take that in personally um, well i when the video first came out, I couldn't watch the whole video because it's just um it was a little too gruesome for me. It's kind of just something that has. It's not the first video of its kind that I've seen. Which is um, unfortunate. And it was, yeah, and it's always hard to see black people, you know, being, you know, brutalized in such a sense. I mean, you saw, I don't know if you saw the video of, I'm going to like butcher his name, I'm so sorry, but like Ahmaud Arbery. Yes. So, you know, that video was out before. And then, you know, the video of Mike Brown. So it's just, for me, and like this might sound like kind of twisted, it's just like, like, here we go again. You know, it's another, it's a, it's, it's just happening again, you know? And, you know, I didn't think it was going to have such a reaction as it did because, I mean, we've had protests, you know, before. Right. Um, in regards to police brutality, but I mean, it only lasts for like a few days and it's only like in a controlled location, but to see like all 50 states and the whole world come together, it's like very uplifting. And it's, it's just, it's nice to see. It's really nice to see, to know that you have allies out there. It is, you know, and, mm-hmm. and this is not a woe is me. I'm going to say this before I even say it, but it has been okay, a really hard out, subject yeah. for a lot of, of, I think white friends to talk to their, their friends of color about this oh, yeah, definitely. because they don't know what to say, but also mm-hmm. they need to realize that, that not saying anything almost makes it seem like you're ignoring what's happening. Mm-hmm. And that's really heartbreaking. At least for me, that's what I feel about it personally. And I think ignorance is the enemy in all of this. And I think we need to, I've been listening to so many podcasts and so many wonderful beautiful, talented guests that have been on each of those podcasts and just talking about, you know, like I was at the protest 10 minutes ago and now I'm overseas and um, all of a sudden I just see people like out on their boats and and how great it is that they can just be able to turn it off. 
Um, not to say that those that's bad that people are still living their life because I don't think that we can't stop living our life and, and taking care of ourselves. But I also think that there's so much going on. If you could say to your, like, to your fellow white friends, like, don't be afraid to ask, you know, this, or don't be afraid to reach out to me right now. Okay. Yeah. I mean, well then in that case, like, definitely like, don't be afraid to, you know, reach out to, you know, your friends of color, kind of how they feel about this. I mean, it's, it's assuring, you know, to have my friends coming to me and asking me questions that I've never been asked. Like, what is it like growing up in the South and being black or what is like, what do you think of like when you don't see yourself represented on TV in like a very, you know, good way. Um, and, and it's, it's enlightening. So, you know, in that, I don't say you have to do too much. I respect everyone that has gone into full activist mode. I think it's awesome. It's great to see. I love all the education that's going around, but um, you really just like have to, no, keep that going. Keep that same energy next week. Keep that energy the week after that. Not saying like we're going to be posting about this until the day we die. But I mean, if you come across an instance of racism or if your family or your friends, you know, say something, I mean, it's there are microaggressions out there that people don't know about. And, you know, just kind of keeping ourselves on check. I don't know, just on check yeah. in a way. I'm not going to say politically correct because Well, and this isn't a political podcast, but that doesn't mean that we can't no. touch base on the obvious, you know. Mm-hmm. And and what's going on. And again, if we weren't to talk about it at all, then that would put me in that category of what I'm preaching about saying ignorance is the enemy. Um you know, I think it's already a great step that you want to use your platform to do this cuz not a lot of people do. I know some people that don't want to post about the Black Lives Matter movement on their Instagram or their Twitter because it messes with their aesthetic. Is and, oh my goodness! And and what's like more how, important, your friend or your influence level on Instagram? I just take take check yourself and ask that question. Yeah, really check yourself um, because you know it does not affect your aesthetic. It doesn't affect anything about your page if you post about something that you believe in. Like that's the thing. If you believe in it. It takes a little bit of work also because I've seen this with a lot of um, larger celebrities. Uh, they, you know, they have a, a perfect grid. Let me just go on a on Instagram moment for once. They have a perfect grid and their grid colors live in a certain realm or whatever. So if you see oh, a beautiful yeah. quote and you and it speaks to you, take that quote, take a moment to re-edit it and make it fit the color or whatever your grid's looking like, whatever you need to do and Whatever Put you gotta it up do. There. So what would you say is a, a good level of posting about this? I mean, I say you post as much as you feel comfortable. I mean, education never has to stop. Like you never know like when you post something, who that's gonna affect, you know, in any mm-hmm. sense. The majority of people that are actually like following you and like right. really like what you post. I mean, you you just don't know. You know, you don't post about politics in the first place. Like, and I'm like, this isn't about politics. This is about justice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's and for my some people, that. Yeah. And some people go about that because it makes them uncomfortable to see it. You have to realize that. Like if, cause they're probably seeing it yeah. a lot and they're not used to seeing it and they're kind of, they might have their own views on right. the movement. 
Um, and I've, I've, I've so. gone through different conversations with a couple different people and some have been hard. Mm-hmm. So I took a moment and I said, nothing I say is going to, is going to change their mind about what's going on right now. All I can do is actions, um, to continue to do what I feel is right. And, um, yeah. but yeah, so, so don't worry. You're always going to get some hate out there and that's just how the world is sometimes. And people are just angry. They're just passionate. And that's all that you, that's all you can do. Honestly, it's just, it just depends on where you want to put your energy into. I mean, not everyone likes the tone of my voice. Not everyone really likes my music. I've had people message me and be like, you post all the time, like with you singing, like, why are you doing that? Ew, because that's why yes, unfriend. Girl, yes no look unfriend blocked don't need it no. in my life self-care no, no don't <laughs> need it in your life done mm-hmm. no i don't and i you, don't even entertain that. okay and also <laughs> when we close this i would love for you to play something if you feel comfortable oh wow okay i would love to hear i because i just want to sit here and 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 be have ever, everyone listening relish in you <laughs> because i think we could all use a little of that right now okay. Uh, one more thing, if you don't mind me asking, I was always raised personally, again, I can only speak on behalf of myself, to look past race mm-hmm. and to judge someone more on their character. That doesn't mean, which is so unfortunate, it doesn't mean that I'm a saint. It doesn't mean that I haven't had bad thoughts. It doesn't, you know, as I take that inward journey, we, we have all had moments of failure, no matter what we stand for. Mm-hmm. And... When I always thought that I looked past that, I'm now kind of realizing it almost made me ignorant because I didn't ask or think or know that that person didn't have the same life as mine because my life is a, is a telescope, right? And I'm looking through my lens of how I was raised and what I think is right, but not everybody else thinks that way. And then someone else has their opinions and their telescope and what they think, you know. In the end goal of where we want to move forward, we together need to fix it as American citizens and and do the work, you know, to make it better. And everyone grows up a certain way. I think it's just human nature to have prejudice about certain things. How you go about your prejudice, I mean, whether you're like acting you know, in a negative way about it, or like you kind of check yourself and you're, and you're realizing like where it comes from or like why you think this way. Like you said, we've all failed in the past. Um, I don't like to linger too much on the past because it is just that it's the past. Um, we can't rewrite the past. You can only make for a better tomorrow. And I mean, that just kind of starts with yourself. So, I mean, if you find yourself growing and asking questions, it doesn't make you ignorant. It just makes you, you know, curious. It makes you willing to learn. It makes you more open, it makes you a better person in a way. And I feel like that's kind of what people need more. It's just a little more openness, a little more understanding. And if you could, if you have a specific situation, whether it was from when you were in Kentucky or you're in New York or you were in the Navy or you were in college where you personally had felt that racism affected your day. I think one of the most common ones that I would come across growing up would be like microaggressions. So people would say little things like, oh, you don't act black or like you don't like you don't you don't talk black or anything like this. Like you're so proper, like you speak you speak so well for a black guy. And, you know, then it just it's just kind of like prompts the question like, what what am I supposed to act like? It's little things like that. I've had older women like clutch their their purses or as they call them, their pocketbooks in the South, you know, whenever they walk past me or if I step into an elevator with them. 
remember one time going to a gas station with my mom. We had just been at a track meet. Uh, so we were in a completely different county. We go to this um, this store and one of the clerks like comes up and just like grabs my hand or grabs my arm, should I say. And she's talking to one of her manager and she's like, is this the kid? And he's like, what are you talking about? And she was like, he said it was some black kid that was in here stealing. Like, is this that kid? And I mean, it's making like a whole scene about oh, it. Oh, it's let's talk about compassion again. Girl, you should have seen my mom in this moment. <laughs> bear, yes. Oh, wow. I mean, you mama bear, like, went crazy. Um, but the biggest moment of racism that I recall growing up was leaving a Walmart. And, um, you know, I can kind of already hear, like, we're, we're maybe in, like, the vestibule of it or lobby. And I hear, like, all these, like, truck engines and horns. And they're, like, revving and everything. And they sound like they're going pretty fast, right? We go outside and it's, I mean, maybe like 10 trucks or so just like circling the parking lot and they all have the Confederate flag on them. And it's just all these people yelling outside their windows, just, I mean, racial slurs. I feel like I don't necessarily need to say them here. Um, Racial slurs and, you know, telling my mom and myself and, you know, anyone else of color that's passing by, like, we don't belong here. Um that was that was definitely one of like the most traumatic ones because it's 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 nighttime it's already kind of scary to be in rural Kentucky and then here's this like now I have to worry about like are these people going to follow me home are they going to attack me like what if they see me the next day just take a moment too to like why why just take a moment of why you know that shouldn't why does that have to happen now granted there will always be hate in the world. Not everybody is a good person. Yeah. And you just have to accept that. And that's us. You know? Yeah. I mean, and there's that popular phrase, you know, without darkness, there is no light. So, I mean, it's, it's, I mean, it's a coin, you know, it has to exist if one's going, if the other is going to. So you just have to look past the dark. So I think the biggest thing that I would still love is um, if you would like. Oh, uh, you want a live performance? Yeah, I would love one if, if you know, if at all, because I know you only like to give away so much for free. Oh, girl, you so... know. You, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. So much. Do you like Elvis? I like Elvis. how he always says that that's all you get for free (laughs) i hate to make excuses for my voice but she's a little hoarse today we've been protesting all week so yeah yeah that's you know that's and i'm i'm glad that you are i unfortunately which this i it's not as an excuse but i haven't really left inwood at all i haven't gotten on um any buses i haven't you are really far from most of the protests Um, yeah, yeah. I'm, I keep looking to see if there's something by mm-hmm. me, not to make that excuse. And and but, so I'm trying to do the best I can without actually physically being there. 
And, and, you know, I'm on this path of like, what are, what can I actually do from, from my own apartment? Even though I live in New York city, I live all the way up on 207th street. So (laughs) it's up there. Yeah. And with the unfortunate situation of the coronavirus as well. It makes it weird to get on the subway. Yeah, I, I could I could walk mm-hmm. it, you know, I'm not obviously I'm a I'm I'm in good shape. I could definitely walk it, but it would take me a long time to get there because there's nothing going on up by me. Mm-hmm. So it's been tough. And then once they put the curfews in, which uh, you know They they just lifted which it. they just lifted. Did you see that? Yeah, they lifted on yeah. Saturday. Now that we got that beautiful little taste of your gorgeous voice, and you're really good on the ukulele too, which you're self-taught from what yes, I remember. Yes, I yeah. am. Funny story about me playing the ukulele. I started learning the ukulele because I lied at an audition. <laughs> Love you. <laughs> oh gosh, because it was for it was for Greece, so um, they wanted me to be duty. And if anyone is familiar with. Greece, um, duty plays the song, um, magic changes. He plays it on the guitar and it's four chords on guitar. I had never played guitar at this point. They asked me if I played guitar, you know, I played like the French horn. I've played the trumpet. I can play the piano. Why can't I play guitar? So of course I was like, yeah, I'll teach myself how to do it. It's fine. Right. Girl, I bought a guitar. I sat there and I was so frustrated, just like the first couple of days trying to learn how to do this. I was like, no, no, what am I going to do? Because they've already casted me this. So I'm on YouTube searching for like a remedy. And I find this girl playing on the ukulele. And I'm like, huh, that looks easy. I'll just do that. You know, hop on my phone. Can I just play this on the ukulele? And she was like, yes. <laughs> And so I did. <laughs> oh, good. Well, that's yeah. awesome. That And like, hey, thank you, Greece, for bringing Hi. music of the fingers. I, I don't know how to say this. Music of the ukulele to, yeah. <laughs> to um, Michael, because you, you are, you're really good on it. You know, oh. I dabble in ukulele. Mm-hmm. Um, I bought one in Hawaii yeah. when I was there on on the ship that I was working I'm on. trying to get to the level of guitar that I am on ukulele because I've been playing ukulele for uh, about three years now, three and a half years. Yeah. And I've only been playing guitar since March. Seriously. Yeah. I bought the guitar that I have now um, for my birthday. So, you know, which is March 13th, first day of quarantine. Hey, March 13th, <laughs> Friday, the 13th, March 13th, it's, just turned 27, which is also my biggest year of my life. Oh, I've had a lot of friends say it that. was crazy. Like, I, I feel like I kind of did this and I'm so sorry to everyone because I, I, I kept saying my birthday is the first Friday, the 13th of the decade. It's going to get weird. Things are going to get, you know, scary. Look what happened. <laughs> yeah, but not even pandemic, but what else is going on right now? You know, all the stuff that we're seeing, all the change that we're seeing. And to see change. Like, I know they saw it in the 60s, like with the first civil rights movement, but to like now for us to like get to experience it in a way. Yeah. And, and getting to experience that, you know, like I've always been someone that's very, I applaud others who are themselves through and through. You know, I think I probably have more male friends that are homosexual than I do have male friends that are heterosexual. And that's kind of, you know, the nature of the beast with theater. But um, 
it's been eye-opening for me because I've watched, I mentioned Schitt's Creek all the time. Oh, I love Schitt's Creek. I've seen every episode. <laughs> He's seen every episode. Well, and Dan Levy, I love him too because he announces that as he looked up at this billboard that was announcing season six and seeing himself and his co-star kissing on this billboard ad completely changed his life. You know, he was so touched. He said, man, if I was young, David, all over again and would look up at this billboard, how that would have helped me realize it's going to be okay. That change has only just come about in the past 15 years, and I'm glad to be a part of that change. Oh, my gosh. Never has a TV show made me cry more than, like, Schitt's Creek. Because it's so it's so nice to see like a same sex relationship in such a a lighthearted and non farcical way, you know. Like it's just nice to see one that just is that starts organically in a sense. I mean, a lot of the a lot of the same sex relationships start out of a place of strife or a, a place of like fear, but this one just started just out of a place of love, out of a really good place. And I think that's what Schitt's Creek really changed the game when they did that. Yeah. Yeah, I think they did, and in a good way. Well, Michael, for our listeners, I would love for them to be able to find you, follow you, reach out to you, all of the above. Give us the deets. Where can we find you? Awesome. So right now you can find me exclusively on Instagram. <laughs> we're gonna be we're gonna be branching out to YouTube and SoundCloud. Um, once we get everything figured out, you have to realize I'm a little country boy. We we move we move a little slower than city folks. So if you want to follow me on Instagram, you can follow me at m period c h a e l r o s s. It's like spelling Michael Ross. But the eye, someone has just like kicked the stick out. So it's just the dot. Love it. Well, I will definitely put all that in the notes. And I just wanted to say thank you so much. I know that there's a lot going on. And I know it's not everybody's in a situation where they want to speak bravely about what's going on. But I think having the chat and having the conversation. Yeah, I feel like so many people are, yeah, they're just scared to have that awkward conversation. But I mean, I mean, learning is awkward in any sense. I mean, learning math for the first time is awkward. Learning uh, sex education is awkward for the first time. Learning really anything is just kind of awkward. But I mean, when you ask questions and you just speak into it, you know, it becomes less of like, less of a nervous thing. I mean, you just be more comfortable in it. And we kind of went all over the board from race to sexuality to music, upbringing, to to music. Um, So just an array of, of beautiful Michael oh, was stop. a journey, a journey through Michael. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you, do you have a, do you have um a, an ever, do you have a stage name? Is it, do you go by Michael Charles or do you go oh, by? That's cute. <laughs> no, I go by, I go by Michael <laughs> Ross. Um, you do go by yes, Michael Ross. I okay. do. Um, funny thing about that is I used to just be Michael, but in marching band, there were four other Michaels. So anytime the band director would say, Michael, all four of us would be like, yes, 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 yes. And so we all ended up giving each other nicknames. And I'm the only one who actually got their real name. I mean, there was like a Mitch, there was like a Big Mike, there was a Mikey B, and then there was Michael Ross. So, and it just kind of rolls off the tongue. I mean, just say it 
I'm just Michael saying, Michael Ross. Ross. No, I like Michael easy. Ross. Yeah. It works for you. I just wasn't sure if you did like something. I don't know if you put it all in there. Obviously, my name's long enough as it is. I kid you not. I even sign only my first name. And my dad was like, what, do you not like your last name anymore? And I was, I said, well, first of all, my first name is long enough. Thank you. It's 10 mm-hmm. letters. And secondly, this way. If I get remarried, if I not remarried, if I haven't been married yet, if I get married um, and I choose either to hyphenate or do any of the above or 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 take the name fully, I don't have to change my signature. It's going to be the same always. It's true, yeah. So, anyway, we have had so much fun. I'm so glad you came Thank on. Thank you here. for having me. This has been like a blast. This is. Yeah, this is fun. Yeah. Can we do another? Oh, I'm so glad. <laughs> yes. <laughs> As I mentioned in the beginning, Michael had said that he had a tattoo on his arm that said, be not afraid. So instead of leaving you with tips from today's episode, I figured I'd leave you with the story behind the tattoo be not afraid. Michael had received this tattoo seven years ago, and it has dual meanings for him. One part is not to be afraid of himself and the future. And he was already openly gay when he got the tattoo, but he still wasn't 100% confident in himself. He also got a lion because lions represent strength and courage. The lion is blinded by a scroll to really remind himself just to trust himself. And the phrase be not afraid is just a consistent reminder to not be afraid to try, to love, to express himself, and all of the other things that he was always afraid to do when he was younger. And I just thought that that story was so beautiful that A, I needed to share it. And B, comparing the courage of the lion and the courage of everyone doing everything that they feel is positive for our nation and for justice for all at this point. So I just want to commend all of you for being courageous, for doing the inward work, listening to each other, listening to your friends, reaching out to your friends. If you're out there protesting, whatever you are doing on your own, It's not for anyone but yourself. You need to do the inward work, the inward journey first. So then that way you have a new light and you have your own personal opinion that you have, you have figured out what that is. And moving forward, we together as a nation, after we've done all of our inward work, can progress forward, can change, can evolve. Because at the end of the day, to me, racism is just wrong. And we need to get rid of that cancer in our country. So keep taking care of you, friends. Have an incredible rest of your week. Look out for our next episode on Sunday. I'll see you all then. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode of The Luxury of Self-Care. If you haven't done so already, subscribe to this channel on Apple Podcast and feel free to give me a rating or review. In addition, you can find me and all updates about the show on my Instagram at rumor underscore in underscore St. Petersburg 
or like the Facebook page entitled The Luxury of Self-Care. Don't hesitate to reach out with a question or topics you would be interested in hearing about. Truly, this wouldn't be possible without you, my audience. So thank you all so much for your love and support and for tuning in.